0: Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome again. So happy to have you with us today. Got some good news and a little bit of a surprise for you. Last week we were saying that that was the final version of the Renewing the Mind session with the Warren Litzman. And the response has been so terrific that our wonderful producer, Teresa Ferraro, has gone back into the archives and she has found four more episodes from the conference Warren had years ago in South Africa. And we're going to present those to you starting today. We have four more weeks of it, and we are so happy to be able to do it. It's such an important series, and we're happy to hear that it's helping so many people. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren.
1: Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just hold them open there. That's one of the best chapters in the Bible, so... If you haven't read it, this would be a good time to read it if you're not listening here. Our subject is the renewal of the mind. It is very important that periodically we let this subject grip us because our minds are far more given, far more given to thinking opposite. Our forgetter is much better than I remember, and so it's good that our minds be renewed. This is not my subject really, it's the Apostle Paul's subject. When he came to the knowledge that Christ was in the believer, he knew that the believer would need to renew his mind if he was to ever get hold of this awesome thing that God had done. He had put another person in the creature, and so we needed a mind to go along with that. I've found there are a number of things that we need to renew our mind over. In fact, I think I could make a list of about 40 or 50, just sort start off the top of my head, but I've only chosen a few to talk about during this meeting. I wanted to talk about things that would stimulate you to give your mind to Christ, to let the mind that's in you be the mind of Christ. And in order for that to happen, it must be renewed again and again. And so I wanted to talk to you about subjects that would really cause you to think and renew your mind. And tonight, I want to talk about one of those subjects. In Second Corinthians 5 and 18, it says, and all things are of God. you mind if I stop right there? because there's no sense going much further in this verse. Most of you don't believe the first line. And I'm not going to try to convince you of that tonight, but I'm going to lay out some facts to you that will help you if you want to renew your mind. This is perhaps one of the most awesome subjects that the Apostle Paul dealt with. The very idea that all things are of God has consternated every Bible scholar. I've taken my commentaries down and even my Greek uh, lexicons to see what somebody had to say about this line, and you never saw so much tiptoeing and dancing in all your life. Hardly anybody wanted to believe it like it was written. They all wanted to add a word here or add a word there or take a word away or change it. And it baffles me, as I've told you before, I'm a strong believer in the English language. I don't speak it well, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but I believe in it, English. Our King James Bible has a lot of truth in it you're not going to get in any future edition. and I'm not here to sell Bibles, but in all of our groups we stress for them to keep a King James Bible, and if you want another one, get an Amplified. And stop there. Because all future Bibles got away from simple English words and started re-translating them into things that fit the agenda of the translators. They can do that with words, you know. But I'm a strong believer that this first line of this 18th verse means what it says. All things are of God. Not some things, not part things, all things are of God. I got a charismatic preacher friend who says it didn't say that. It said all good things were of God. I said I have trouble finding that other word in there. What? As what? All good things? Well, that's not a truth, because everything's out of God. Well, we'll go along with that. But we're not going to depend just on this one line. It's just that I'd like to get your attention, and I certainly have it. You're already arguing over translation, (laughs) which is good. It's stimulating. But the facts are, and I reiterate, that most people have a hard time taking that. As you will note, all our future translations will get away from the simplicity of what's in our English version here. Is it possible that everything is of God? Or could we say, is it possible that everything comes out of God? I never had a big problem with this when I first came into the Christ life. and Many people do. My teacher was Norman Grubb, And I can remember innumerable sessions that he would begin the same line. He'd begin the session with the same line. His one line was always, there is only one person in the universe. And he would take off from that and explain it. Well, what he was really saying is that there's only one person that has anything to do with the universe. Nobody else has anything to do with it. We're living in a very secular atheistic world right now that uh, doesn't know whether it's coming or going, doesn't understand the world at all, won't give God any credit for it at all. And so they're really mixed up about our world. But there's really only one person that's ever had anything to do with this world. Now, at times, our Bible speaks of God being the creator. But there are other times the Bible is more explanatory because it is God's son for which this world is created. You probably didn't know that but the whole world has been created for Jesus Christ. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1, let's read verses 16 and 17. Verse 16 says, For by him, by Christ, were all things created. Well, there it is again. Better in heaven. Better in earth. Visible. Invisible, throne, dominions, principalities, power. All things were created by him and for him. Uh, that's a mouthful, isn't it? If you had a hard time with Second Corinthians five and eighteen, this is gonna make it worse. It says all things were created for him. Twice in this verse it says, All things were created by him. They were created for him. You have any feeling for that? Would you believe that when God got ready to create this world, this earth, bring it back into substance and use, that the only thing he had in mind was that he was doing that for Jesus? The only reason he brought substance out of chaos, light out of darkness, the Garden of Eden, put man on This earth. The only reason he did it was for Jesus Christ. Now, that's a good starting place, isn't it? Nobody knew that in the Bible but the Apostle Paul. Nobody ever mentioned anything like that. All the rest of the Bible speaks of God being the creator. But Paul knows something the rest of them didn't know or were not given the information of. He knew that if God's plan was from before the foundation of the world that Christ would be in every human being God created, then the world cannot be created adverse to God's plan. It was never his intention to create anything that was adverse to the person of Jesus Christ. So Paul says Jesus had to do with all of the creation because it was all done for him. By him and for him. But the for him is the most helpful part. That means that when God got ready to create this world, Jesus Christ was in focus with everything he did. He had to do it. That would have been a lot of help to you if you'd have known that along the way on your journey. Would it not help you to know that God has not allowed anything to happen in this world that is contrary to Jesus Christ. You don't understand that, do you? Even the bad, even the awful things, even the evil things, every bit of it is not contrary to Jesus Christ. We have to assume that God had other worlds. We do know he used this earth we're on some other time. So he must have a history of what it is he wants to do and how he wants to do it. Since God is love, behind his every action is love. That's the motivation. That's the power that is in God. It's a love power. So this time when he was going to recreate this earth, bring it back into form, his whole purpose was that he could... Get some creatures to come and live in his house that loved him. And you believe that everything in creation had to do with that thought that I will create nothing, I will do nothing. That is contrary to me getting a creature that loves. Well needless to say, the apple of his eye was Christ. Christ is life for this new creature. So nothing has been created And nothing exists in this world, according to Paul, that doesn't have to do with Jesus Christ. Now, of course, nobody in the world believes that. Very few in the church believe it, though it's plainly written. But all things were created by him and for him. But that's not all. Verse 17 takes us a little deeper. Verse 17 says, For it pleased the Father... That in Christ should all fullness... That's verse 19. It pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. That's not what I want. I want verse 17. And he is before all things. That's the verse I want. And he is before all things. Ah, that fits now, doesn't it? That fits chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the creation of the world cannot be separated from Ephesians 1 and 4, from First Peter 1 and 20, and from Hebrews 4 and 3. You can't separate the creation of the world from God's plan to have creatures in which Christ lives. This verse says, verse 17, he's before all things. That is, before anything was created. <laughs> God gives him that preeminence. And because of him, all things consist, or By him all things consist. That's an important little line. It was in the Bible. What is it? Uh, Colossians was written uh, somewhere around uh, 64, 65 A.D., and the scientists haven't discovered it to this day. It shows you how out-of-date science is. What is it that means? Everything consists by him. That means that everything in the universe subsists or is held together by Jesus Christ. I'm standing on a wood platform. You're sitting on a wood floor, sort of, in a chair on a wood floor. You know what makes that substance? Did you know that the wood and everything else is made out of a liquid, more or less? What brings it into substance? What makes it matter? Jesus Christ. He is what causes everything to become matter and to exist. Well, the scientists discovered about 50, 60 years ago what it was that held all matter together. It was the atom. It was the atom. And so they learned how to split an atom and get great power. Christ is the atom. He is the power that makes substance, so you could have a floor, have a chair to sit in, or anything that is brought out of nothing to become something is because of Christ. Where'd they get that? John's gospel. He says it plainly. In John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things. There it is again. That's the sixth time we've read the statement, all things. Now, I don't know if your Bible is going to be consistent in other translations, but I've read it six times out of pure English. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, you don't need another translation to figure that out, do you? You don't even need the Greek. The English is pretty clear. From three different references in the scripture, all things had to do with Jesus Christ. All things were made by Jesus Christ. All things were made for Jesus Christ. All things consist or hold together by Jesus Christ. Nothing is in existence, John says, except by Jesus Christ. Well, i make a big point of that because somebody comes to me every once in a while and says, Preacher, can't you talk about anything but Jesus Christ? Don't you have another message? If I was blind, I could. I could imagine a whole lot of things. But it's verses like this that have removed my mind that God's supreme message is that everything in existence has to do with Jesus Christ. And then if he took that Christ and put him on the inside of you and I, That's a message we need to know. That's something we need to know about because I'm living in the world that appears to be against me. I live in a world that appears to be run by the devil. And yet my Bible says, all things were made by and for Jesus Christ, and I have that same Christ in me. So somewhere, if I'm going to go on with God, and I'm going to understand this book, I'm going to have to have the help of the Holy Spirit to understand that the things that are in this world are not contrary to the life that's in me. But what has happened is, the things that are in this world, which have to do with Jesus Christ, were contrary to the last operator I had in me. The sin nature It was contrary. So what I'm doing now is getting my mind renewed from the fact that, that as a sin person, I couldn't operate properly in this world, but as a Christ person, I can now learn to operate properly in this world because the world is not contrary to the Christ that it is in. That's a different thought, isn't it? You've been fighting the world all the time. Well, what you've really done, you fought the things that were evil. But we wanted to establish early in the day that all evil is created by God. You understand that? Evil is created by God, Isaiah 45 and 7. Sin is not created by God, and that's what we think of when we think of evil. We think, my goodness, evil and sin, this preacher said it was of God. No, God has nothing to do with sin. You know what sin is? Sin is our participa- our participation in evil. If Brother Adam and Sister Eve had left the evil alone in the garden, we wouldn't be in this mess. They sinned. They sinned. It wasn't the evil presence that was their problem. It was the disobedience in their heart, their lack of love for God. And so they ate the tree that was forbidden. Wasn't anything wrong with evil? You don't sense that much today. Do you? We're all, we as Christians like to fight evil everywhere. we got Christians fighting evil everywhere you look. The devil can't do anything but what? There's not a bunch of Christians out there carrying a, a sign or something. We're just on to it. But there's nothing wrong with the evil. The thing that's wrong is when people participate in it. That's sin, and God hates sin, and sin will take you to hell. So all things are of God often. God, when he created this universe, used the negative and the positive to make this earth work. You know why we're not living on other planets? They don't work. They don't work right. We can't exist there. You know why we exist on this planet called earth? It's because of the negative and the positive. What's different about that? Well, last week, I was up in uh, New York, and I was on top of the world. Yes, sir. I could look out from New York, and I could see I was right on top of this ball. This is a ball we live on, you know. I was right on top of it, because I could look out to the horizon, and I could see it went down. The horizon doesn't go up, it goes down. And I could look to see, well, I'm right on top of this ball because if I went over there a little ways, it'd go down. But if I went over there, I wouldn't go down. I'd still be on top. Worse than that, I thought next week, I'm going to be in George. And that's at the bottom of this ball. <laughs> when you look at the globe, we're right now on the bottom of this ball. We ought to be standing on our heads or something. Why aren't we? Because when God created this earth he created a negative and positive. One pole positive, one pole negative. What, is, what are these two poles at the top and bottom of the earth? A negative power. What did they do? They cast a magnetic force around this earth. Only place that happened. So that whether I was in, in George or New York, I'd still be on top. What keeps us from falling off? We call we call the folks over in Australia down under. Why don't they fall off into the sea? The magnetic force holds them. Power. Environmental power holds them on top of the earth wherever they are. That's a negative and a positive. That's the way God made this earth. When he created all things, he created negative as well as positive. I'm always hearing some preacher saying one day we're going to have a revival great enough to get rid of all the sin and evil that's in the world. You'll all fall off. Besides, it isn't going to happen. We're held by the negative and positive poles that create the gravitational force. Our astronauts fly out of Florida and they're headed toward the moon or wherever they go and as soon as they get away from this earth's environment, what happens? No magnetic power. No negative or positive post. So what are they doing in that capsule? They're floating around like flies. They had to grab something to go somewhere. One of them got to the moon one day, and if he hadn't had steel shoes on, he'd have bounced right off the moon, down into the ether etherway somewhere. He had had a tater line to hold him. Why? There's no gravitational power on the moon or any other planet as far as we know. So don't think about moving there. (laughs) Unless you've got steel
2: shoes.
1: (laughs) This is the only place he did this. This is what our plan is all about. This is what the scriptures are all about. You can't escape it. When I hear the dumb, senseless scientists and atheists and philosophers talk about their idea of this world, it doesn't scare me. It just used to be funny. I don't even laugh anymore. I just pass them by. Why? This world is fixed just like God wanted. He didn't intend for the Garden of Eden not to have evil in it. He doesn't intend for our world to exist without evil in it. Because all that has to do with Jesus Christ. Well, you're sitting there wondering, what in the world does the evil world have to do with Jesus Christ? Because God planned before he created this world that there would not be a knowledge given to man whereby he could function like Adam and Eve and know that it took another person living in them to be completely fixed it like that. God fixed it so that human beings would never know that the most necessary part of their existence would be another person living in them. He never intended for them to be persons under themselves, creatures to themselves, a self under self. It was never in his intention. So when he created this world, he put the negative and the positive in it. And the purpose of that is that everything in this world has to do with Jesus Christ because it's pushing that creature to the need of what it is he can't see. He doesn't realize is needed. He doesn't know is a part of God's plan. The things in this world push us to Christ. That's why it's made. The Apostle Paul discovered that if this gospel was not preached with these elements in it, men would not be saved. How can they hear without a preacher? So Paul was very strong. We'll deal with this tomorrow probably. He was very strong to say that if this gospel I have received is not preached, there's no hope for man he's cursed. Is not the human race cursed today? The Old Testament writers didn't know about Christ then. And one of them said, man's born of a woman a few days full of trouble. Why? Because that's the way it is. That's the way it is. So God created a world with its one purpose was to push us to this unbelievable knowledge that human beings were not completed persons or completed creations. Until Christ was in them. That's why the world's like it is. Nothing wrong with the world. It's got evil in it. If you leave it alone, you won't get hurt. But evil has power. That old snake's still saying, You can be a god yourself if you participate in evil. Look how big and great you'll be. So we're still deceived. But we're mostly deceived because the gospel is not preached. Look at the record. John said it of the Holy Spirit in his first chapter. Paul said it several times, over 20 times. Paul uses that term, all things. It's a catch-all term to it. He finally got a hold of it. The apostle Paul couldn't figure how a human being could have Christ in them and not overcome in this world. He preached to a Pentecostal church, first church in Jerusalem. He preached to what we call the early church, which is a Judaistic Jewish church and they didn't get it. They didn't get his message at least not right off and so he saw by God's plan that this world is created to push into Christ. That sooner or later the ones led of the Spirit are going to awaken to the fact that I can't exist without Christ. I can't live on this terrestrial ball without Christ. That's what he intended. Well, if you were the devil, what would you do? What is the one big thing you would do if you were the devil? I'll tell you. I'd keep that information from people. I'd let them come into this world like the Old Testament said where they had no Christ in them. And say it's full of trouble. There's nothing but misery. There's nothing but hurt. It's Psalm 51 over and over again. No help. That's what I do. I wouldn't let them come to that knowledge. I'd let them push and fight over all their problems. I'd let them be harassed by their problems. I'll never let them get the truth. That this world is made by and for Jesus Christ. And once you've got Christ in you, you can overcome the world. I'll let them get that information. I'll let them live in the outer circumference of this. I'll tell them if they don't all go to church every Sunday, they won't make heaven. They'll like that. I'll tell them everybody ought to go to Sunday school and build all kinds of programs to get them there i tell them they have to have a healthy body and prosper. I'll tell them anything but the truth. I'm not going to let them get a hold of that idea that the one that is in them is greater than he that is in the world. All things made by Christ have to do with Christ. You have to have your mind renewed to that. You say, well, if, if I got that, would all my troubles be gone? No, sir, not a one of them. they still be there. You think if Adam and Eve had obeyed God and not eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that the tree would be gone? You think if they had disobeyed the serpent, the devil would have left? Of course not. They'd still be there. Do you think that if you get full of the message of God, and you love God with all your heart, that there'll be no more trouble in this world? No. God is not in the business of eradicating the trouble. He's in the business of making you greater than the trouble. By Christ in you. Haven't you discovered that? If you haven't, Christianity hasn't come to South Africa yet. Don't you know? He's not destroying trouble. In America, we kill By abortion, a million and a half babies every year. If there's anything I would think God would take hold of and stop, that's it. That's awful. But he doesn't touch it. People come to me and say, well, if he was a good God, he'd stop war. No, war's part of his plan. Jesus said to the end. You ever wonder why Jesus would say that? Looks like to the end we'd have a great revival. You hear all these preachers talking about a great revival coming? If it is, it's a revival of tribes fighting each other. Jesus said there'd be wars and rumors of wars to the very end. Why'd he say that? God's not taking away the trouble. He's going to take you and I out of it. Even if you don't want to go, I know a lot of believers are rather stay for something else. <clears throat> but he's going to take you out of it because you're his offspring, you're his child. But he's not going to change the world. God is not in the business of saving souls. He's in the business of exchanging nature. Now, when you get an exchange nature and know about it, The nature you receive is a God nature that has to do with God in this world. Well, you're saying, well, the old devil has perverted it all. It's the devil's world. No. Men have said it's the devil's world. God has never turned it over to the devil. God still uses this world for one thing. The evil that is in the world is still a challenge to our obedience. That's what it was to Adam. Adam disobeyed God when he ate the fruit of that tree. Therefore it was an evil tree. Our world is full of evil today, but it's still the same challenge that we would obey God. If you do, then it all works out somehow. You say, well, we could all get killed if we have wars. God's worked all that out too. He's told you already you've got a better house to go to than you're coming out of. It. But you see, we don't really have all that tied together right because we haven't received this gospel of liberation and freedom to be who God created us to be. So we're trying to change the world. You really can't do it. This idea that all things are of God is hard for us to take because it's contrary to everything we've been taught. I come along talking to you like this, and the first thing you think of is all your faith sermons you've heard and all the faith books you've read. And most all of them say, if you've got faith, you won't have hard times. That's true. You may not have hard times. And I'm not talking about you having hard times in this world. I'm talking about the world not changing. I'm talking about a different thing. The only reason you have hard times in this world is because you don't know who you are in Christ. Because you're not the overcomer. He is. You're not the lie So it's contrary to us. Great contrast between the world and the believer in this world. I'd like to be able to come to you tonight and tell you we're going to have a revival that's going to clean up this world and get rid of evil. I'd at least like to get rid of evil on television. That'd be a big deal. But that's probably not going to
2: happen.
1: You know why? That's what pushes us to Christ. It's contrary to it, but it's necessary. You've probably seen our little diagram. Here's the dear believer. He has Christ in him. But most believers don't know that. Christ is in them, but he's like an old man in a rocking chair. He just sits there and rocks away while we work out our life do all our religious things, fight all our battles by ourselves, and sometime or another we get in a big enough mess, we go down to his room and say, Hey, have you got any answer for this? He'd like to be our life. He'd like to be our all, but we don't really turn to him like we ought to. So what is this world? This world is made up of the CNS gang. Now, you know what the CNS gang is, don't you? That's circumstances and situations. That's what makes up this world. Now, if there were not any circumstances and situations, you, by your own power and volition, could stay clear of problems. All that good thinking you do. You ever do good thinking? You see, now I had that all figured out, and I didn't think this was going to happen. Well, I was going along just fine, and I was in the peak of life, and all of a sudden I fell and broke my hip. You see, you can't really control the situation. If there were none, you might control life, but you don't control the situation, that's what your father controls. He's real smart with his knowledge because he knows just what you need, and he lets you have the situations you need so that you'll be housebroken. Every cat is trained differently. No two alike, and so every one of us are trained differently.
0: Well, our time is up for today, but please remember we have three more of these wonderful Renewing the Mind episodes coming up from Warren Litzman over the next few weeks. We'll pick up next week right where we left off today. Please look at our website, christ-life.org. Go in there, read all about us, and also go to the bookstore there and see some of the material that Warren left behind that you can have in your very own library. And please help us spread this great message around the world. Tell your family and friends all about this podcast and have them tune in each week, and we pray it will be a blessing to them just like it is you. Well, our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these wonderful teachings. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the wonderful and talented Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.